So far, normally when people ask me about sustainability, they start they, they talk about our own consumption. Mm-hmm. But internally, well, we, we spend much more time on the claim side. Mm-hmm. So if you, for instance, look at the uh, CO2 that we save repairing uh, windscreens instead of uh, replacing them, right. it's the double amount that the total consumption of truck. So we are working with uh, uh, used spare parts. We try to repair bumpers instead of, re- instead of replacing them, uh, stuff like that. Uh, and I think the, the very good way and the way that we could also spend a lot of time in this because we can also see that, that we have some customers that really want it, but we can also see some opportunities for saving some money, re- uh, actually repairing the bumpers instead of replacing them. So. Right. So, so I think uh, claims is uh, is where we will spend a lot of time in the future, and maybe also we will uh, spend some time uh, uh, helping our customers getting more sustainable. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Future Of. My name is Chris, I'm head of content at Nordic Fintech Magazine, and today we will be talking about insurance. Now, insurance has traditionally been a paper-heavy business loaded with regulatory burdens that have made insurers slow in the uptake of transformation. It is no surprise that amongst the disruption of financial services, insurtech solutions have not yet taken center stage amongst the many other fintech innovations we see entering the market. But we sense that's about to change. We recently had a revealing conversation with Lars Bonde, COO at Trick, the largest insurance company across the Nordics, to understand how Trick is adapting through digitalization. In this conversation, we discuss how Trick has been working hard to empower customers to handle more of their insurance needs by themselves while living more sustainable lives. Learn how leaders in the industry are working with insurtechs and technology companies to create exciting new products that are more intuitive, flexible, and innovative as the industry readies itself for hell-bent disruption. So Lars, uh, thanks so much for coming down. It's great to meet you and great to have you here. Thank you for the invitation. It's great. So uh, let's just start. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah. As you mentioned, I'm Lars Bunde. I've been I've been working for Trick for, for many years. The last 16 years I've been a part of the safety management team. So what I've done through all those years is mainly running an insurance business and making sure that uh, we have a very strong and, and uh, Making strong financial resources. Uh, I also have some. Uh, I, I'm also responsible for some of the staff areas, HR, uh, IT, innovation. Uh, so I guess that's why you have invited me. Indeed, indeed. So today we're here to talk a little bit about how technology is impacting the insurance uh, industry. So we've seen a lot of changes happening across financial services in, in general. But we get to hear less about what's really what's happening in, in insurance through the advent of technology. So, can, can you tell us a little bit of about about how technology is, is impacting trip specifically? I think the the two most important things that the, the one is digitalization. Mm-hmm. We need to be more and more digital. We, we have to serve our customers in a digital way. They demand that it's easier for us, it's easier for the customer. So, digitalization is definitely one of the main drivers of the change in, in insurance. I think the other one is data. Uh, they are becoming more and more data in the world. Insurance has always been based on data. 
uh, our business model is actually taking data, a lot of data, and try to use that for calculating a, a risk price for a customer. So we've been used to handling a lot of data. We have always been uh, fighting to get more data, get more knowledge about uh, our customers and about our risk. But, but the, uh, the, the amount of data is increasing dramatically. And I think that's a huge change for insurance as well. Right, and, and so that brings me to the next question. We, we hear about this concept of open data, which basically allows customers to determine who can access specific data that, that, that they have. How is that particularly impacting uh, the business model of, of insurance? I think that is a, that is a, is a quite a difficult question to answer. Uh, it looks like the uh, EU is quite fond of the open banking uh, legislation. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we must expect to have some rules about open data for insurance as well. Rumors are saying it's going to come at the end of this year. Uh, I haven't heard any rumors what, what the rules are going to be, uh, but, but, uh, but, but uh, it's quite clear that, that uh, in, in my opinion, it has to be some of the more uh, objective data that we should share because uh, if we should share how we use data for calculation prices, this would be our secret source, and, and then, then there would be no competition in insurance. Right. So, so I think it's going to be quite interesting to see what kind of data we have to share. But uh, while we are waiting and while we have to find out how the rules are going to be in the future, I think what we are doing in Trøk is maybe not trying to prepare for open data, but in general try to prepare for more data and, and uh, more sharing data in general. So we try to build what we call 360, which is our, our new way of organizing data so all the business units could use it in an effective way. Right. We, we build our systems with open APIs because we can see that we already have to share data with our partners. We try to find out uh, which uh, ecosystems we should be a part of, mm -hmm. and, uh, and and then we try to. Uh, now I have to be sure about the word. We build a system where we uh, can organize and and uh, have have control of our our customers' content, some mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, so we know when we when and with who we can share data. Right. So, so while we are waiting for, for rules or legislation, we are already trying to do a lot of things about data, to, but that is originally just to run or improve our business. Uh, and then we will see what comes up from, from Europe, but I'm quite sure that it's going to be something about sharing more objective data. Right, that, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now you touched uh, a little bit about uh, having APIs to work with your partners. So my question to you is, uh, how, how is a company like Trick um, working with the insurtech companies and whether there's something that the insurance industry can learn from the previous attempts of other financial institutions to partner up with, with fintechs, for example? We work together with uh, different uh, startup companies. We have this, uh, the camp out in, in, in Trick, which is a co-working space that we, I think actually we started that in 2016. Okay. So we have a lot of uh, different companies being through the camp, uh, the uh, campus we call them, uh, uh, for, for, for a lot of years. We are cooperating with Rainmaking, which are also a part of uh, 
Vincent Copenhagen, yeah. Uh, and and uh, so that is a way that we that we are cooperating with with uh, startups. Uh, we are not only cooperating with the campus or companies sitting in in our co-working space, uh, but we try to learn something about the way they are working. We have also taken our own innovation people. They are also sitting in the same area, so we try to learn something about. I think we have learned something about uh, how big projects should be, how to make minimal viable products, how to make A-B tests. So, so that is a way that we we have uh, we have tried to learn from from uh, the startup environment. We have also uh, we have a small or or we have an insurance company called Undo, mm -hmm. which uh, we own together with the founders and and uh, Rainmaking as well. Yeah. Uh, that is. The original idea was to try to see how how would it be to be a born digital insurance company. Mm -hmm. uh, so that is a couple of uh, of uh, cooperation that we have. At the moment, we are we are working together with uh, uh, a small company in, in in the camp that called Precure. Mm -hmm. They have invented uh, a high tech vest, and uh, and uh, people should wear it when they work. And, and then it, the rest collect a lot of data. And the whole idea is to try to use the data to avoid uh, uh, claims from happening. Uh -huh. So for instance, you can avoid having uh, back injuries or stuff like that. Wow. So we have been testing that together with a couple of big Danish companies. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we try to find a way to commercialize it and put it into our uh, workman compensation product in general. Uh, so, so that is another example of how we are working together with uh, with InsureTech, or that's not an InsureTech, but a tech company. Wow, that's, that's really advanced. Um, I, um, if, if we look at what happened in, 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 in banking and in specific, specifically in payments, we saw that when digitalization started and when some of the early fintechs started to enter the market, they were going after the payment because that was like the low-hanging fruit. Is there a, a specific line within insurance that, that could be uh, more ripe for uh, disruption, say, with technology? I think uh, that the, the less complicated product would normally be the easy ones to go for. Mm -hmm. uh, it still needs a lot of, uh, we, uh, we have a lot of legislation, we have a lot of rules, we have a, a, to be compliant insurance is quite difficult. Mm -hmm. So even if you choose to go for one of the more simple products, you need to fulfill all the rules and all the, uh, the the compliance stuff as well. Right. So so, I think that's gonna be no really low hanging fruits. It's gonna be difficult to start an insurance company. You need to have a lot of capital. You need to have control of, of all the things that uh, negotiators uh, say that you should do. <laughs> and and that is definitely uh, uh, coming more and that 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 are coming more and more rules all the time. So it's, it's not gonna be easier. But I think if you should talk about a low-hanging fruit, it would be some of the less complicated products, like, for instance, travel insurance. Yeah, right. And and I think that that connects nicely with the, with the next question I have for you, which is that we've seen a lot of changes in, in customer behaviors and also in the market, brought about by the pandemic and also by, by changing customer expectations. So how is how is Trip uh, adapting to to these changes that are so external changes to uh, to its business model? 
I think there's uh, maybe a couple of different angles on that. Mm -hmm. What could be the digitalization, which I already mentioned? Mm -hmm. Our customers expect that we could handle more and more of their, uh, their, their insurance problems uh, uh, digitally. Mm -hmm. We are, for instance, building a new claim system. Uh, we have already, the last five years, tried to have more and more claims. We want to, to have our customers to report the claims digitally. And we want to build those straight through processing solutions, which mean that uh, if you, for instance, are reporting a, a travel claim, yeah. you will have uh, the compensation after a couple of minutes because it's a straight through process. Wow. Uh, so we are aiming for 80% of our claims reports should be digital mm -hmm. and 40% of the total number of claims should be uh, straight through. Is there, are there any other trends, like for example, the sharing economy where people are owning less less things that are perhaps impacting the way in which you approach the market? We have been working together with a lot of uh, sharing economy companies. Uh, there have been a lot, a lot of them have opened and closed again, so we have actually yeah. made insurance solutions for, for a lot of them. Uh, I'm not sure that have been a very good insurance business, to be honest, because they're quite small. and it, But I think the reason why uh, we have said to to uh, to our business areas okay we need to come up with some solution is because normally insurance is for one year mm -hmm. and i think it's it is quite good for to try to uh, make insurance in another way and and for for instance when we are are, are making uh, insurance for happy helper mm -hmm. it's for one hour maybe and i think that's it's another way of making insurances uh, mm -hmm. so that is the, actually the reason why we have cooperating with a lot of uh, of sham economy companies uh, we are working together with gomo i actually been the chairman of the sham uh, there was a governmental uh, advisory board about sharing economy where mm -hmm. i've been the chairman that right. i think that was because we have we have uh, we have been working a lot with this uh, uh, making insurance solution for, for, for them, mm -hmm. and I think it, if you talk about sharing economy, insurance is a part of of this solution because if if you're not sure about how you get compensation or if you will have insurance, you will not share your products or your car, your mm -hmm. bicycle stuff like that. So so yeah. so I think insu insurance is actually a, a important part of sharing economy and. As I mentioned, we have been working together with a, a lot of the sharing economy companies. Yeah. Um, okay, and let's let's take a step back and look at the industry as a whole. In your view, what are the main challenges that the insurance industry is facing at the moment? Uh, of course, uh, inflation is a problem. Uh, when we ask, if if we have to, we actually we have to see what's going to happen with the prices in two years from now. Mm -hmm. And we have to calculate the price now and actually get the money from the customers now to be sure what happens in the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. That is at the moment very, very difficult. Right. And of course, we are spending a lot of time internally discussing what is actually happening with, with, uh, with, with the inflation. And I was uh, meeting some of our investors in London last week. That was also one of the questions that they have been asking all the time. Right. So, so inflation is, if, if you are in insurance and not afraid of inflation, you are, you are stupid. So, so you, we have to pay a lot of attention to inflation. Yeah. Um, I think a, a, another area that you need to be aware of is, uh, is, is all the groups. We, you can see that 
there will be new rules all the time. Uh, maybe there will come some EU legislation about open data, and maybe there will come something about how to use AI. We can see that that uh, there will be something about uh, uh, environmental things. Uh, uh, so, so I think uh, the demands for reports, uh, the way that we uh, 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 control, the, the way that we are publicing different things, is uh, is constantly increasing. So, so we need to work more and more with uh, compliance. Mm -hmm. And if you go back some years, you, we, you, we have a no fault policy or no. We used to be, uh, we used to have no faults, but but. That's not possible anymore because there's constantly coming new rules and, and uh, uh, if you have GDPR and never have a data leak, that's not possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, we hear that a lot that it's really a challenge in keeping up with compliance and uh, regulatory compliance because of yeah. the onslaught of regulation. So I think that's a couple of, of uh, issues that we are struggling with at the moment and, and we have just bought a uh, a huge company. We have bought a, 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 an English company called uh, Royal Sun Alliance together with a, a Canadian partner. Mm -hmm. So that was for us in Troika a huge transaction. And uh, we have finished what is was uh, called the demerger at the 1st of April this year. Mm -hmm. So we are uh, spending a lot of time how to, to get the two organizations together. So that would be a challenge for Troika in, in the coming years. And of course, even if we, we are now 7,000 people in Troy, mm -hmm. but, but we have learned during this process that we are a small company for a huge transaction. Right. And that means that uh, we have spent the, the last couple of years of, of, of this M&A transaction. And that also means that there are some other things that we haven't worked with. So, so we need to increase, for instance, uh, 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 the, the time that we are spending working with uh, uh, our AGI development and stuff like that. Right. So. Let's let's move on to talk about something that's really close to the heart of most Nordics, Nordic countries, uh, which is sustainability. We know that there's a whole set of regulations coming in, in, into into play this year uh, um, in regards to sustainability and ESGs. So the first question I have for you on, on this on this regard is. Is, is the insurance industry able to contribute in a particular way towards the achievement of ESG-related goals? Yeah, it's, it's going to be exciting to see what would be the ESG goals, because if you look at insurance and our own uh, CO2 uh, consumption, it's I think for Troika in, in total is 2,000 tons a year, mm -hmm. quite small. Mm -hmm. So, so, uh, but of course we should uh, consider how much we fly, uh, the cars we use, uh, mm -hmm. how we heat up our buildings, stuff like that. Uh, but where we really can, uh, can, can make an impact is on the claim side. Yeah. Because we are, we are buying a lot of car repairs in Denmark, Norway and Sweden. Right. So, so if we can, can control that or, or help our uh, repair shops to, to, uh, to be more uh, uh, to be more sustainable, that that would definitely uh, lead to something. But but so far, normally when people ask me about sustainability, they start they, they talk about our own consumption. Mm -hmm. But internally, well, we we spend much more time on the claim side. Mm -hmm. So if you, for instance, look at the uh, CO2 that we save repairing uh, windscreens instead of uh, replacing them. 
It's the double amount that the total consumption of tryg. So we are working with uh, uh, used spare parts. We try to repair bumpers instead of, re instead of replacing them. Uh, stuff like that. Uh, right. And, and I, I think it, here it actually helps us to be a Nordic company because our Norwegian customers have been more focused on that for, for, for a longer period. So they are actually saying, no, 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 no. I don't want to have a new door on my car. You have to, to repair the one that are, or, or buy a, a used spare part uh, instead, because you don't, I don't want to have a new door sent from US to, to Norway. That's too much CO2 consumption. I want another solution. So we have to, some of our customers are actually demanding it. Uh, and I think the, the very good way and the way that we could also spend a lot of time with this, because we can also see that, that we have some customers that really want it, but we can also see some opportunities for saving some money, actually repairing the bumpers instead of replacing them. So, right. so, so I think uh, claims is, uh, is where we will spend a lot of time in the future. And maybe also we will uh, spend some time uh, uh, helping our customers getting more sustainable. Right, so it's not just regulation, it's also that the customers are demanding sustainable solutions yeah. and that it's good for business. Yeah. Right, that's really interesting. And I think actually that's much more interesting if you, because if you only, only do things to save the world, maybe it's not on the top three all the time. If mm -hmm. you're doing this because customers want it and because this is, uh, it's good for the PNL, yeah. Uh, then, uh, then it's also very good for uh, sustainability or for society, but but that's make it much more easy to work with in the in, in the organization. Of course, that's a, that's a really interesting interesting perspective. Um, and then I've got a last question for you, which is is more in relation to to the future. So, what can we expect to see from Trig within the next uh, three to five years? As I mentioned already, we uh, we have to to uh, to we are in the middle of this huge M and A transaction, so we have to to build uh, one company, one culture. Yeah. So so we're gonna spend a lot of time on that. We we have uh, we have been out in October last year, November last year, to uh, the capital market saying what they could expect to get in twenty four, mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, I think our. Our technical result in 21 was 3.7 billion, and we have promised to deliver set between 7 and 7.4 in 24. Right. So, uh, so, so, <laughs> so, so that was what what you can expect. We, of course, we also have a lot of other KPIs about sustainability or about customer satisfaction. But, but I think the main focus for the investors, of course, would be on on the technical result. Uh, and then I think you should expect to see a lot of new ideas and a lot of new products coming out. Uh, in the last 20 period, we, we for the first time set a target for building a portfolio of new products because the last 20 period, we, we developed the strategy for, I think it was, it was a 2020 strategy and we developed that back in 16, 17. Yeah. Or, at that time, we were really afraid about the self-driving cars, mm -hmm. and uh, and afraid that that some of our original business will uh, decline. We were also a bit afraid of the all the IoT solution. Maybe they should lead, lead to a, a fewer number of claims on, on houses, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Therefore, we decided to be public that we want to build 
a portfolio of new products, products at a billion. Um, and we said it out uh, loud because we know that that also increased the internal focus. Yeah. The camp was a part of that as well. We, we put a, a, a co-working space in the middle of our head office in Ballerup to show that we okay, we have to do something different. We have to start developing. Insurance is not the most innovative uh, business. Actually, I think we are among the lowest. So we decided that we want to be the most innovative company in the Nordic. Um, so actually, we do all this to to uh, to protect our top line, to be honest. yeah. Uh, Maybe here five years later, you could see there's there's no self-driving cars. Then they're not just around the corner. Right. Uh, IoT is not really changing. Uh, and so so maybe I think our assumptions were maybe it wasn't wrong, but at least we the timing was. Uh, but what we have experienced during this period that because we developed more than fifty new products in the stretch period, mm -hmm. we have a lot to talk to our customers about. And when you talk a lot to your customers, they normally buy more and stay longer. Right. And uh, our employees were more satisfied and our P&L was, was better than ever. So actually innovation ended up being extremely good business for, mm -hmm. for Trud. And therefore we, again, in this strategy period, have set a, a target for, for products uh, in a, a new, uh, from, from the number of portfolio that we should build from, from new products. This time at 1.5 billion. Yeah. Um, so we will continue that way, and therefore you should expect to see a lot of new ideas and a lot of new products from Fred. Well, that's wonderful. I have to say we don't often talk to incumbents that are so courageous and so and so committed to innovation. So uh, it's it's great to hear. It's very refreshing. And uh... and again, it's not only about innovation. It's because we can see that wow, it's it's shown up to be a very yeah. good business. Absolutely. So I think our growth has never been higher. Our customer satisfaction have never been higher, our employee satisfaction have never been higher. Of course, it, 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 I, I don't think innovation is the only reason, but it's a part of the uh, of the things that we have done to, to change trick and, and trying to, to be uh, more focused on growth and innovation. Yeah, it seems to me that it's more the result of a cultural mindset that the organization has that yeah. also results in yeah. taking this. Yeah. Well, that's fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, Lars, uh, we, we thank you so much for spending time with us today. It was a pleasure. And thank uh, you for the invitation. Oh.